Okay, this is Pete Moore. We are here on Halo Talks NYC on location in San Diego at the Ursa 2018 trade show at the Omni Hotel. I'm here with Andres, who's now my good friend in the business intelligence agency called Akismet. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Andres, you grew up in the uh, mind-body coding network, which has turned into the largest software company and now have spun off iKismet. So tell us what you've learned in the industry uh, that you've helped create. Well, I mean, this was uh, 2002 when the company was actually called Hardbody. So you can make a lot of jokes about that. I will, starting (laughs) now. Go ahead. We were installed software back then, people, you know, installing us over the internet, 56K modem, and saw the entire- Is that when it said like .exe? Did it used to like- uh, Totally. Open? Yeah, you'd get, a, you'd get a disk, you'd install wow. it, and then we'd have to run updates over some really slow um, internet connections that plugged up your phone line, so- for all you millennials out there, you have no idea what, what it's taken to get to where we are today. Huh? You remember those AOL CDs that you'd have like countless numbers of Ugh. those? And you was make- a flying yellow guy, like a jumping <laughs> yellow guy. Where we- did he go? He's, he retired. Oh, man. God, those were bad days. Yeah. You have to go to Kinko's to actually check your email. Yeah, they actually made money off of having internet service and workstations and all that. Hopefully they've... They've uh, pivoted off of that. I used to go to uh, health clubs, and they used to um, say, yeah, let's go back to my house um, to, to work on the website. I'm like, why? It's like, ah, oh, we don't feel like getting a DSL line in here or like a Dell computer at the time. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Well, sometimes you couldn't even get it, right? Like, Oh, you, yeah. like they It wasn't, wouldn't be available. They'd be like, right. sorry, fast yeah. internet is not available in your area. Yeah. We don't have the fiber yet. Oh, fiber. man. Yeah. You're now I'm thinking about old. probiotics or something. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's fast forward back to where you were. So, so you you grew up in the mind body, you yeah. know, hard body, and now mind body. The, the whole story. So, 2002, installing software. 2005, we're going online, and they weren't the only company, right? There's the entire revolution that everything is on demand, as we were calling it at the time. I've, I've seen it go through a lot of different names, from on demand to application service provider to SaaS. So it was great. I couldn't have been in a, you know, in a better place to have uh, front row seats to not only watching this whole, what you know used to be called the fitness and wellness is now called the halo sector and seeing the entire- Thank you, by the way, about that. Yeah. I give it a plug of course. on my own show. Oh, it's- <laughs> I, <like that. laughs> I started using it, by the way. So Sweet. Just, Somebody just, mentioned that the other day, so I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, Thanks, you know, I went. You I went. Halo effect. Hey, I went to the uh, coming out party. So, the wellness retirement party. The wellness right. retirement party. Yeah. So, um, one of the things I want to talk about today with you, because you you're on the front lines of this, is that when you see an industry that needs technology, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, people need to write the software. They need to understand the member, they need to understand that the salespeople that are using it, the, the, everyone in the ecosystem needs to embrace a technology, that technology then needs to have different iterations. And now I feel like we're at an iteration of the software sector where now it needs a business intelligence dashboard attached to all this innovation that's happened. So talk about you know, where we're at on the technology side and then why you started iKismet and what that represents as like, 
almost like the the icing on the on the cake, if yeah, you will. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that for us, it's perfect timing because people want information, they want it quick, and they want it delivered to their phone, right? I think that there is so much noise out there. Um, there's so much competition. There's, you know, we, for our sector, we live in a very trendy um, marketplace. Those things are always, always changing. And businesses want to adapt, right? Because con consumer behavior is changing. And so the only way to have headlights onto what's coming around the corner is to have access to information. Your customers are telling you what they want with the way that they interact with your business. Um, and they're showing you that through the data. And a lot of times people don't know how to get at the data. They don't know how to look at the data. And it's intimidating. You know, they, they think that they need to have a PhD to actually know what's happening. And so for us, we wanted to make it really, really simple, really easy, very visual, so that people could focus on what's important in, in the Halo sector, which is having good quality classes, good quality instructors, great customer service, and be able to make data-driven decisions very quickly. So every good company starts with solving a frustration. So what was the, the straw that broke the, the software camel's back here um, while you were at MindBody to say, okay, look, we need to do this because the frustration is now paramount in the sector? I think it's, it's the increase in competition, right? It was as, you know, when I started in this space in 2002, um, if you had a, if you picked a good location and you had a, a good um, class schedule and you had some good instructors, chances are you're gonna be pretty successful, right? And I think that that's changed a lot. I think that there is a huge increase in, you know, the visibility of our space. People wanna get into it, right? People are excited about it. People are leaving their corporate jobs to you know, create a brand or, or, or create, you know, a, a studio that, that they love. And so that drive of competition, in order for you to be competitive in the next five years, you need to understand, you know, the unit economics of your business, right? What is it costing me to deliver a class? Who are my best customers? Is there a chance? Is there a risk that I'm going to be losing them? Um, am I engaging them enough? And so all of that information is in your data. Like it's, it's really you're collecting that data daily and you should have, you know, it should be easy for you to access it so that you can provide the best service for, for your customers and keeping them engaged. So when you take a look at, you know, what the biggest analytical tools that are being pulled out of your software, mm -hmm. you know, people start looking at this on a weekly basis, then a daily basis, then an hourly basis. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, you know, the lifeline of, of understanding what's going on. Yeah, and I think that with um, mobile, especially, the ability to see your data daily connects you on a deeper level to your business, right? Because one of the most intimidating things about business intelligence and analytics tools is like only looking at it once a month and then being overwhelmed with what you're seeing, mm -hmm. right? But when you're looking at it every day and you're looking at it, at it in a very visual way, it connects with you, right? And you start to subconsciously see and feel the trends of, that are happening in your business and not be surprised by them, but actually be proactive with them. It also, for, for businesses, the biggest part of it is the communication for staff, right? Everyone needs to be 
you know, singing from the same sheet of music. The ability to communicate to your staff what's important for the business is what's going to make them successful. Here are the three or four metrics that we care about. This is how we evaluate the performance of our business and everything that we do around it and everything that everyone does needs to drive those metrics. It's, it, it really is simple. You, every person needs to um, identify what's important to them and they need to track it and monitor it. And it becomes part of the thinking of not only, you know, the staff people, but also the, the managers and the owners. And it helps you plan for the following year. That's great. So I, I think one of the uh, most interesting parts about what you get from software companies today is how low the cost is on a per location basis to actually get the information that's mission critical to running your business. I, you know, I came from in 2000, started a software company and, you know, we were doing some enterprise sales and we were quoting some pretty high monthly fees to do like very specific parts of what they needed on a technology platform. But now things have gotten so democratized and, and the cost has gotten so low that, that everyone wins. So talk about, you know, how easy it is and to deploy your software as well as what the costs are and, you know, how that return on investment is, you know, so easy to, to achieve. Yeah. So we've built the software from the ground up. And one of the core principles is the ability to um, have it up and running in 15, 20 minutes, right? So all of our best practices, um, key performance indicators or charts, um, it's a library. So you don't have to think. We've, we've basically identified what are the key metrics that make businesses successful. And by just clicking on a, you know, integration link within 15 to 20 minutes, your dashboard is lit up. And now you can not only see what's happening in the last 90 days, but you can also see what's happening in the last 12 and 24 months. And that's really, really powerful. Our price point is, is very aggressive. It's, you know, $45 a month because we believe that if we help our customers grow, we're gonna grow with them. And the people that are using our software are the innovators in this industry. They understand how important it is to use data in their everyday thinking, their planning, um, their coaching and mentoring of their own staff. And so we wanna make that, we wanna make that accessible to them. Like you said, democratize it. So Andres, one of the things I want to focus on here with our audience is the fact that when you start a new software platform, you start any company, you know, obviously you need to put together, you know, Excel projections and you need to, you know, attract investors, but you really need to start with finding what the frustration is, figuring out a way to how to solve it, and then wake up every day, listen to your customers, and know that if you solve it, and, and you know, it, it's a puzzle, that you will have a very valuable company, but the value of the company doesn't drive you of what it's gonna be worth three to five years from now. The value is like what you're helping people do today. And I just wanna make sure our audience knows that like you have to start a company based on those core principles. Absolutely. Yet last night, um, I met my friend, um, Shanil Saha from Perkville, and we were having this similar conversation. And he said something very, very clever to me. He said, when you create software, you have to think about, are you the painkiller or are you the vitamin, right? And I thought that that was very, very clever because so many times people that are building product and software or starting, you know, software companies, they don't know the difference of 
what they're doing. Are they the vitamin or, or are they the painkiller, right? And so I think that for entrepreneurs or people that are going to create a software company, that's the first thing they have to think about, right? I think the second part is that in the beginning, you're not going to have all the data points. You're not going to have any, all the information of like exactly what is the real essence of the problem. And that takes iterations and that takes time. More importantly, that takes being in front of customers, talking to customers all the time, which is really, really difficult for entrepreneurs because they are so, you, you know, they, they, they've poured their heart and soul into this product, right? And they don't like to hear a lot of times what it's not doing. And if, if for people that are successful, they love the feedback. They love the negative I won't call it negative, I'll call it critical feedback. And if you can take that, and if you can turn that into um, a solution, first, those customers are gonna be fiercely loyal. Second, they're gonna tell all their friends about it. And number three, like you said, that is what's gonna create the acceleration that instead of doing spreadsheets and trying to forecast, it's gonna organically happen, right? Yeah, I think um, one of the things you just touched on about getting feedback and getting um, and prioritizing that feedback. And I'll admit here, uh, live on the air, that I started a software company in 2000 and 2003 and bells and whistles destroyed my company and destroyed me financially for a period of time because when somebody said, hey, can you do this? Of course you can do it and just keep doing it. And the next thing you know, you're running a hundred different software platforms that you thought was like a a standard platform, but you belled and whistled the whole thing where you've got a hundred different platforms out there. You got bells and whistles that only one person wants or one person needs. So how do you as an entrepreneur and as somebody who wants to listen and you, obviously you want to help everybody. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. But how do you kind of think about that? Whether, you know, do you visually, you know, have a whiteboard that says like, that's a great idea. That's a 2020 idea. Or do you, do you say, you know what? Like that's a lower priority idea because I know that that's not really going to help you run your business. It's a, it's a, it's an idea. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think you're right. Um, experienced entrepreneurs know how to cut through all of that and get at it. Um, I think, you know, Steve Jobs said it best. The hardest thing is, you know, saying no, right. Um, that is the hardest thing because when you're starting out, you know, cash is important. You're trying to generate some revenue and, you know, customers will dangle that in front of you. If you build this thing, I will give you all of my locations, right? And you got pressure from your sales team going like, we really need this deal. You got pressure from, you know, your accountant telling you like you really, so yeah, you have to have a strong discipline mm -hmm. um, to say no, right? To understand, you really got to understand what your product roadmap is going to be, not only in the next you know, 12 months, but what's it going to be in the next 36, 48 months? And, you know, designers have this thing, you know, called the creative brief. And before they create a product, what they do is they, they sit down and it's got to be a one pager, right? And that creative brief identifies who you're targeting, who's the persona, right? What is the problem that you're solving, right? How are you going to solve it? And every three to six months, they always come back to that creative brief. Right, to make sure that they are following what the vision for that product was. Now, having said that, you also have to stay nimble, right? Because a lot of times you'll get a new invention that just comes through interacting with customers. And so you have to be really, really on top of it to say, okay, this is an idea that we didn't, now that we have all the data points, has to be part of that creative brief and I need mm -hmm. to add it in. 
So it's not just like, we're going to build what we talked about, you know, a couple of years ago, but you have to have that guiding light. Right. So how do you, um, with software now, you know, it used to be um, version one, version two, version three, and you, know, you could always tell a customer, you know, that's, that's coming out. It's in, that's in the next version. Obviously, there are updates that you get on your mobile apps all the time, so you know that there's constant updates going on. Yeah. So from a standpoint of, of you running your business right now, um, gathering that feedback, uh, how to, how to, how, what's your development schedule like? What's your push schedule like? Just for people that are running similar software companies, you know, to understand, like, this is, like, the new age, and, you know, it's going to be continuous improvement. And it's also got to sync up with all these different devices that are out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's all these, like, buzz terms out there for software development, like agile and iterations. And we, we try to stick to a two-week cycle. Okay. So we're trying to push something new every two weeks. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's three weeks, right? The, the hardest part is something I call scope creep, right, where you say I'm going to build this feature and then there's all these other things that you didn't account for or whoever is managing that project is adding more to it than what it needs to be. So one of the core principles for us is just getting it into the hands of the customers. I think you got to be careful with that as well because they can lose faith in the feature, right? If it's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe wrong or not doing exactly what you want. But I think that if you communicate that often to your customers that we're putting out this release or if, or maybe, you know, you create a beta group of, 10 or 15 people that get to play with it for a while um, and then they start giving you feedback, you have to get it into the hands of, of the customers because like you said earlier before, what we do is highly nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. You, there's so many things that are happening behind the front desk, right? That you cannot account for until you're actually writing logic and code that actually accounts for all of those interactions. Most classes will have 15 to 20 people. Most studios will do, you know, eight to 10 classes. You start to kind of do the math there and you can see how all of those interactions affect, you know, the software that, in our case, what the software is telling you about your business. How, how important, I mean, this, this, this goes to, to building software, but also really like building any product. How important is it, you know, that, that you're inside of a studio, that you're inside of a club, that you, that your product developers are, understanding the business practices and not just, you know, understanding the code and the language. Like, I feel like there's a, when you use a good piece of software, you know that somebody created the software that understands how your brain works and how your behavior works. I feel like there's a big differentiation between, I'm going to educate you on how I use the software versus I know how you want to use the software and I built it because I know how you think. Yeah, it's like building a product from the ivory tower, right? Sure, um, sure. So how, how important is it for iKismet? It's so important that my wife and I purchased a yoga studio. And we did that because we wanted to completely understand the pain of the owners that are behind the front desk. And it not only is it for me to truly understand what I'm solving, it's also for my team. When they start working at iKismet, we send them over to, here's a shameless plug, Smiling Dog Yoga in San Luis Obispo, California. There you go. No, I was going to ask you. Don't <laughs> worry. Trust me, man. I wasn't going to let that hang out there that long. No, but I think that's great that um, you, you have to go to that extent. You have to. People come in from outside the industry here, 
and they think like, all right, I've, I got a, I got an idea, I got a solution. It's like, well, if you don't operate in this sector and you don't actually understand how it works or how you want it to work for you and see how that actually plays out, you really don't have a right to build software for right. something that you don't know how it works. Right. So, Or you're going to have a lot of churn. <laughs> You're gonna, yeah, you know, yeah. your salespeople are gonna like buy it, and then all I mean, your salespeople are gonna sell it, customers are gonna buy it, and they're gonna be like, This doesn't do what you said it was gonna do, right? Or it doesn't do it in the way that I need it. Oh, to you're be. calling me a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from a standpoint of, um, you know, where you see the Halo sector going, um, obviously, there's a lot more competition, like you referenced before, but you know, we've somebody brought up this term <laughs> earlier, it's like we're gonna add market share. Which sounds awesome, yeah. you know, if we can get more people into the space. Right. But but do you see the new people that you're that you're taking on as customers? Do you see the people that are working the front desk, the general managers? Do you see people starting to say, look, look, I don't want, I'm not intimidated by the data. Like I want the data. I want you to curate it for me. Like I'm ready. I'm. This is not something that's optional. This yeah. is not something that um, I'll look at on a weekly basis. Like I want it now, and I want to know. I want you to help me react to it. What does it mean? Yeah, I look, people start businesses because they want to be successful. It's their livelihood and they want to do right by customers. People want this data because they want to build a great, incredible brand, right? So they expect to have the data, mm -hmm. right? Especially one of the things I've noticed in our space is just the new type of talent that's coming in. And by that, I mean people that are building, buying, creating new concepts and, and new studios. Mm -hmm. They have these very successful careers in a corporate environment and are using systems like iKismet in those environments. So you're saying that they expect it. They expect, they expect it. it. Yes. Yeah, right. They don't know this is a new. Right. When they, when they come in, they're like, what do you mean that there's not all these, you know, products that I can choose from, right? right? So there's this level of expectation from these, these new people coming in or these new owners coming in and so that makes it really easy for us. I also think, you know, when you were saying where do I think the industry, you know, is going, I, I think people have to get comfortable with the idea that the younger generation likes to cross train. And you, you yeah. and, and so you have to manage your business different than like the whole membership based business. You have to allow them, you know, I have, you know, my wife and I have four kids, right? And this whole time we've taught them that it's about choices, right? We want you to have choices. We want you to do good in school so you have choices. They're, being, they're growing up and they're coming into disposable income with that ideal, which is I don't have to just go to one place. Right. I should be able to go to two. I should be able to cross train. Sure. If I want to do yoga one day, if I want to do, you know, CrossFit another, um, if I want to do bar on a third, you know, it's only going to make me better, right? right? And so data will help you break all of these kind of norms and experiment and change with, you know, the consumer behavior. So before we leave, tell everyone what, uh, how iKismet came to be named iKismet. Yeah. So iKismet comes from the word kismet, right? It's a, a old Arabic word and it means destiny and fate. And I really believe that in 2002, I met this guy named Rick Stolmeyer who was like selling software for like yoga studios. And I was like, what is this thing, right? I'm, I'm you know, almost done with college, uh, about to graduate. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I was on, I, I fell into that path for a reason, right? And so here I am 15 years later. And to me, that's kismet, right? And so uh, my wife and I were 
having dinner and I was trying to think of the company name and we looked, you know, she said, it's Kismet. It was meant to be. So nice. I put an I in front of it and a Z to, you know, um, give it a little bit of that technology flair. Yeah. Um, and that's where it came from. Cool. All right. Well, um, I Kismet and let's, uh, let, let's get this out to everybody. Absolutely. So they can better run their business right. so we can have more profitable companies and more choices. Right. So... Great to have you on board, and let's help build the uh, Halo sector together. All right. Thank you, Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Andres. All right.